Hello there, welcome to Peripheral Thinking, uh, my series of conversations with uh, activists, artists, entrepreneurs, advisors, people all working on ideas, championing ideas at the margins, because the ideas which will shape the mainstream tomorrow are hiding out there today on those margins. Uh, now, this conversation is another two-parter. It's with uh, Richard Wayne, uh, who is a writer, a poet, a storyteller, a, a many, many things. And actually, I spoke to Richard previously uh, on the podcast, so do check that conversation out. This conversation is because uh, Richard has a book out in the world, and it's actually a book, a book of poetry. Um, but I say that with uh, with a health warning, although he probably wouldn't uh, suggest it needs a health warning. And I say it because actually a conversation we had at the end of our recording was uh, me sharing that I actually I feel a lot of sort of uh, resistance to poetry. I don't know whether it was kind of bullied into me at school that somehow poetry wasn't for me or I didn't have the concentration for poetry or I didn't understand poetry or I couldn't write poetry um so I kind of uh have a little bit of that story rumbling around in the background uh, and I kind of offer that up at the beginning because I don't get that with Richard's writing um it feels much more kind of present and accessible and important uh, and so I was kind of hugely glad to have the opportunity to speak to Richard uh, and like I said this is going to be in two parts actually the first part takes us up to a point of um, a kind of feeling of, of, of a precipice actually it takes us to an edge of a precipice Richard was talking about you know his own life feeling that there's been this kind of journey to a precipice uh, where as is the case with a precipice you know there's some giant ledge there's some fall there's some big change and that that big fall that change feeling quite uncertain and this was very much in the context of um, you know the converging crises of our time be they climate be it biodiversity loss and what that might mean for the the world that our children might inherit and what that might mean for us uh, and that precipice really being something which is felt by many many people so in this first part of the episode we talk a little bit about some of the inspiration behind the book some of the reason for writing the book the reason for writing the poetry has uh, some really great stuff in there and you know this journey to the precipice that many people are feeling maybe you are feeling too um so um on that i'll leave you with episode one richard welcome back to peripheral thinking it's a genuine pleasure. Thank you for having me back, uh, Ben. Very much appreciate being here. Um, now, very looking forward to, very much looking forward to this this conversation. So, there is a specific reason we're having this conversation now. Uh, although it is always good to have a conversation with you, we've just used up about thirty six minutes of our kind of available recording time just having a sort of preamble chat. So, uh, I hope we can bring some of the the goodness of that to our conversation. But um, the the specific reason that uh, was a good opportunity to to reconnect today is uh, you have a little gift into the world, which is just finding its way into the world. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I have a uh, book out in uh, on the 17th of November, actually. And uh, the book is called Beyond the Brink is the Beginning. Uh, it's a collection of uh, poetry. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, as we go. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So um, yeah, I mean, maybe take us back take us back a, a step so uh how and why this little book into the world now so 
a couple of years ago, actually, in the midst of all the shenanigans of um, of, of COVID, uh, I was exploring various routes into um, in, into spending more time on on writing, and I came across, uh, amongst other things, um, a a term that I was interested in, which was the term throughtopia. And I'd never read this term anywhere. It was a, a, a term that was coined by a chap called Rupert Reed. Um, and it, it had been adopted by uh, an author called Manda Scott, who Manda wrote a best-selling series of, of novels uh, called the Bodica series a few years back. And she's written crime novels and, and she's, you know, uh, uh, a really kind of renowned author. And she had uh, kind of had a, a change of direction and 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 decided to start a small holding and to uh, stop writing these this series of successful books and and to to, to go off on a on a different tack. And she had uh, come up with this idea around Throughtopia that this was a vision for for a better future. And 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 she uh, stated in the information that I read initially about Throughtopia this idea that what we need as uh, writers, what needs to be the focus of our um, efforts as writers is to write clear and engaging routes through to a world that we'd all be proud to leave for future generations. Now, this this really, really struck me as being uh, a great a great thought. She'd effectively looked at the the, the world around her, the, the the world of storytelling that she was immersed in, and realized that we're telling ourselves stories that are largely dystopian um, and we live in a culture in which our expectations are, are we know that our expectations and our um, way of, of, of viewing uh, the, the past present future are very much wrapped up in story um, you know we we have we all have our narratives and if the narratives around us are effectively telling us that the future is going to be bleak and that we are going to fail in our kind of quest to resolve these many crises that we're, we're currently facing, there's a good chance that we'll uh, make that happen effectively by, by, by not having the uh, imaginative bridge to take us to a better world in which we succeed. And so, through Topia, is this uh, this idea that we can do that, that we can that we can move to a better world. So, how how what stories can we tell that move us from here to the world that we would be proud to to leave to future generations? So, anyway, I read about this, find out found out about it, got engaged in a, a really fascinating uh, masterclass that re that, that that kind of went deep into this stuff and and met. A whole bunch of people through this process, people including uh, Jeremy Lent, who is the the author of the Patterning Instinct and the Web of Meaning. Um, people like Rob Hopkins, um, who who's uh, a big kind of foundation part of the transition movement, and he wrote a, a great book called What Is to What If. Um, people with with incredible vision uh, and who are who are truly engaged in trying to work out what this future looks like that we're proud to leave for future generations. So we're, I was immersed in this for uh, a number of months, um, really the best part of a year. Um, it formed a, a, a really great group of uh, a community of writers around it. And um, it led me to feel like 
I needed to make a contribution to this effort. And, um, and, and the book is, is uh, my first contribution to this effort. Um, so yeah, just one thing. So Jeremy, actually Jeremy Lent is also the the kind of the the, the reason for this podcast. Because um, when in his book, in the Web of Meaning, his second book, he talks at the end of that about uh, you know as the systems on which we've depended crumble, people increasingly looking around for new story, and that we all have an opportunity to help weave new story into culture. And I, I in now in a similar way as you just sort of articulated, I kind of actually that is something I can help do. Like this doesn't need to be a grand thing. It doesn't need to be. It's like just the act of in fact of us just having this conversation and one person listening to it that helps kind of weave new story into culture too. So uh, the this the kind of will to contribute by way of response is something which which resonates for me yeah well i i I think you know hearing someone with jeremy's uh you know he's an incredibly intelligent guy and he's thought about these things uh for a very long time much longer than 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 i and and been able to express them in ways that have connected with many 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 people and and i think you 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 know you really hit on something there because it, it's nothing to do with volume of response. It's to do with depth of response, I think. It's to do with finding if somebody listens and somebody has a reaction and it takes somebody in the direction of feeling, okay, yeah, that speaks to me. I'm on that path or I understand that path or I want to go go down that route. That That's uh, a, a, an amazing thing, you know, that in terms of the that interwoven, that interconnected um, idea that we, we have we have a problem here. We have a numerous problems here, we a number of interconnected crises that can only really be resolved through a massive cultural shift, a massive shift in the way that systems work, a massive shift in the way that we interact with one another and uh, the, the, the place that that comes from. Um, and that takes everyone to start leaning into stories like this and to start trying to tell the kind of story that I, that I mentioned in terms of something that leaves a really positive feeling about, about the potential for humanity at this point. So it's part of the, the sort of seed for this. Was the seed for this born out of the kind of a, a rumbling discontent and unease, a disease? Yeah, so on a number of levels, um, I... Uh, have had a rumbling discontent with with my own sort of uh, working life for pretty much the whole of my career, um, un, un, really unexplored, but just a sense that uh, there's something else I need to be doing here. Um, I, I've also had a connection with the climate crisis to an extent in the sense that, I mean, we will have, but professionally, my career started as a a scientist working in a laboratory where uh, they they had, at the time, the largest academic supercomputer in the the country. So it's a big, big supercomputer running climate simulations and ocean simulations and finding that in 20, 30, 40 years time, the oceans are going to be massively more salty than they were at that time 25 years ago when I was doing it, uh, or finding that the the level of, of heating in, in the world that we could expect in 25, 30 years time potentially was radically higher than, than anyone had, had, had previously conceived that it might be. So the seeds of anxiety around the climate crisis 
were very much kind of uh, there at that at that point in my in my life, but I didn't know what I I couldn't do anything about that. It's too big a problem, and I wasn't a very good scientist, so I I needed to I needed to get out of that. Um, but it's there, always there in the back of my head. Yeah, absolutely, a simmering discontent, a simmering sense that we've got we got to do something different here, guys. But who am I talking to? You know, how am I how am I really engaging with with telling a story that's going to help people to uh, to 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 also in, engage with that? Yeah, yeah, and and so just uh, for for kind of context, uh, so Jeremy, people can listen to the conversation with Jeremy because it talks a little bit about some of his his kind of views of the things that we might be navigating. You know, alternative avenues we might be navigating towards. Uh, I, I'm not really familiar with uh, Rob Hopkins's sort of ideas. Do you feel qualified to give us a, just a headline of, of those? Because I'm just kind of interested in the the kind of context of, of kind of where your writing points to, maybe if if indeed it does point there. <laughs> so I think Rob, uh, he's he's coming at at it from an angle of imagination as well, in in the sense that you know the 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 sort of um, key idea in in his book, what is to what if anyway, is is that very much of the the kind of discourse around climate change or around um, around many of the, the 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 crises that we face, you know, biodiversity and climate and climate crises are the, the the ones that sort of resonate with me the most at the moment. Um, the issue is that we're looking at them from the perspective of what is, so not an imaginative journey into what we what potential we could find to do things better, but what is the current norm and how can we somehow break that or change that? Now, if, if you start from the idea that all I have to work with is what is, then you're very much limited in the, the different avenues that you can take to solve a problem. Uh, and, and, and Rob is, is effectively saying, we need to put ourselves in a what-if space. So it's an imaginative space. It's a playful space. It's somewhere where you enjoy being, somewhere where you want to be, where you're creating and you're, um, you're, you're looking at the problems in your locality in particular and going, well, what if in my village um, we were to, uh, what if on my street we were to start sharing uh, food? Um, what would that look like? What, what if what if I was to uh, send a message to the, my neighbours to say, uh, right, my, my car is openly available now to, to any of you to, to use? All of those kind of questions that come from going, well, what if we just break down that convention? What if we break down a convention of ownership? What if we break down a convention of uh, where our food comes from? What, 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 you know, what if we look at that in a completely different way? And then, uh, you know, the the potential for solutions grows exponentially because you're not limiting yourself to what is. Um, uh, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure Rob would uh, curse me for that summary, but I think that's more or less where where, he, where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I can sort of feel the hopefulness in that, um, that as, a, as a kind of as a as a lens as a perspective. Yeah, well, I, I think that the when I'm in, when I'm in a, a, a positive place, I feel like what a time to be alive. What an incredible time to be alive when we get to face the biggest kind of collective challenges possibly that humanity has or will ever face. We we get to do that. Um, 
very, very few people will get to have that kind of, uh, of, of problem to solve. And actually, we're problem-solving beings. That's what we do. We, we, we love getting into how to, how to sort these, thing, these kind of things out. And it's not easy to see the joy in something that causes so much, uh, so much pain and, and suffering. But there is joy in working together in in difficult situations to 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 find a way through you know that's where most growth and um uh, development i think for 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 individuals and for communities that's where it comes from is in striving to uh to get over barriers and and this is the biggest barrier we're we're ever going to have to get over you know so um i i think that's Again, I think that's sort of where Rob, Rob's coming from is here we have a chance to imagine a better future. Um, it's not a chance to mend the broken past. It's a chance to imagine a better future. Wouldn't we rather do that? And of course, the, the kind of requirement there is a, a willingness and an ability to, act, you know, I can't, that sort of classic old sort of cliched stroke proverb, uh, which I'll now kind of bastardise and sort of turn into one. The, the kind of idea of uh, you can only sort of start where you are, you know, and I don't, I know there was that really a journey of a thousand steps, whatever, but it's something, something about sort of starting where you are in a sense. And actually the where you are bit is uncertain, is ambiguous and is unnerving. And actually part of, you know, the reason that, you know, our kind of our will, our wish to go to the kind of what is and fixing a what is, is an attempt to try and just fix it. (laughs) Because actually that helps me not go, well, actually, maybe the start point here is the ambiguity. Maybe the start point is the uncertainty. Maybe the start point is a kind of open hearted kind of turning into, okay, we don't know. So what if, you know, but actually it does, it requires us in a way to sort of start that journey, which comes back to the the, the quote that you were talking about um, that, that Manda had. It, it, in a sense, our ability to, to, um, to, to kind of create something that we're kind of leaving for future just does require us to honestly, openly sort of step into this uncertain place and let that be the beginning of the journey. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that, that, I couldn't have put it better myself. Then. Okay, so your so your writing kind of bubbles up from from this place. It is a, a response from from these these things. And um, so yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about the about the the writing. And I'm curious about the the process of writing a book. But that might be a conversation for a whole podcast. But I, I could just get, tell us a little bit about about the the writing and and yeah. So what, what I uh, the the, the what I tend to write is poetry. So uh, effectively, I am a poet. Um, and what I like to try and do is to form some kind of narrative arc around uh, a series of, 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 of poems. So while it's, a, 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 in effect, a disconnected set of, of individual poems that are written at different times for different purposes and with different different themes and also, you know, different motivators and, and, and inspiration behind them. How can you turn that into something that has its own narrative arc and feel of um, of a journey and an emotional journey and something that resolves emotionally in a, in a, in a way that's satisfying? Um, so what I was looking to do in, in the case of, of this book, Beyond the Brink of the Beginning, is to take that idea, that core idea of 
um, of, of moving through to a world that we'd be uh, we'd all be proud to leave for future generations, and thinking, well, what do I need in order to be able to engage with that? What 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 am I lacking that um, that would help me to be able to step towards that idea of uh, imagination and engaging with um, with with telling stories that lead to a, a, a better future. And my sense my sense was very much that I am on the edge of something. I am on the edge of uh, of a of some kind of um, of a, a, a precipice that I think is is what your um, statement earlier on of you know. Did, did this bubble up from um, a sense of a disenchantment with um, with with things in general? The answer to that very much is yes. But my sense from talking to many many people in many many different walks of life and and um, coming across uh, lots of people through business, through um, networks, through writing, through all kinds of things, is that most people that I speak to feel like they're on the edge of something. I I think when you talk beyond uh the beyond the level of um how are you today uh should we go and have a drink um that kind of pub level of chat when when you start talking about how do you how do you feel about the future how do you feel about the prospects for your kids how do you feel about what you're going to do next in life and most people that you speak to start to say things like oh well you know it's just so it's so uncertain now um, I really don't have any clue, um, and I don't really, I don't really see the the benefit of putting too much of a, a plan ahead because you know everything's going to change anyway. Just a general sense in which many people are, are are unrooted in this moment and and feel a sense of helplessness, and and yeah, that manifests itself in in just. Uh, Everyone saying so. Everyone saying, "Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm not really in control of it, and I don't really know what to do." Particularly in relation to the the, the climate crisis, you know, I, I run the Positive Nature Network. We have conversations with businesses. The most common, the most common question is, "Well, what, what can I do? How can I help?" I'm, I'm just, you know, effectively, I am such a small part of of this whole world. I'm such a small part of this um, potential. How can I do anything in a circumstance where, uh, where apparently this this uh, climate crisis is is going to have such devastating impacts? Um, I I feel helpless, and and that feeling of helplessness I think is is what uh, tends to bring people towards a sense of, if not despair, a sense of something needs to change, um, and and that is really where you know the 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 root of the the writing for this book and that the the question that it's sort of got at its heart is well what does it feel like to reach that point to realize other people are there and then to move beyond it together what does that feel like um not how do we do it but what does it feel like yeah yeah no i really like that so i'm going to come back to the the, the what does it feel like and it's interesting that the, the kind of that building to a precipice or wandering to a precipice and the reason i was kind of asking a question i was kind of curious you know i guess some people um they are 
sort of familiar with that enough to sort of articulate in the way that you sort of spoken of. Oh, uncertain, don't really know. And for other people, there, you know, uh, there is just, you know, a kind of felt discontent. There is uh, loneliness. There is despair. There is, and we, one of the conversations we were having just before recording, there is burnout, you know, these ideas, which is essentially people saying, oh, I don't know. And I was talking to uh, a friend yesterday and sort of articulated, look, I don't, I know it can't go on like this, but I don't know what the other option is. And obviously we kind of articulate those things from here. I'm kind of pointing to myself. Uh, you know, we, we kind of, we, we articulate these things from the place of here, from me, from my sort of life, from my heart, my way of being, from my work, whatever it may be. And in a sense, you know, that is a, a, another way that these things kind of present for people is just this kind of feeling actually, you know, and like you say, in a sense, when it bubbles to a despair, that is, you know, in the uh, not that I, uh, it, it kind of it, the bubbling to a despair is the is a point of action, isn't it? Essentially, I mean that that is that is a, that is a prompt, a trigger, a reason then to act. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The bubbling to despair, the bubbling to anger, the 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 acknowledgement of the fact that there's some oscillation between between hope and despair. That something is that something is uh, inherently not going the way that I thought it was going to go in life. Uh, and that's, and that's a, a feeling that can be bound up in, in personal uh, circumstances. But, but I think increasingly it's a feeling that is wider than that for people because, um, you know, I, I, my own personal experience with having children, with uh, seeing the world around me change in various ways, um, with uh, you know places that I know coming under pressure from uh, from 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 um, climate related events, uh, you know flooding and various things. When you see these things, it's it connects with you more and more, and you you start to realise that oh my my kids' futures are at stake. Um, you know many people I know in many different places around the world, their futures are at stake, and. Uh, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought that. And in 10 years ago, in 10 years time, that pressure will be greater. And uh, I know that. And I think in, I think that instinctively, many people know that, even if that's not the conversation that they're having with themselves. Um, the, the sense of a growing discontent, the sense of a growing pressure that is difficult to resolve there's got to be a way for uh, us to find a unified way out of that. I hope you liked that conversation uh, with Richard. And uh, as I said, we're gonna. There's going to be a part two, and so I invite you back to check out part two. And if you like part one, and uh, you think that some of the things that we spoke about in there would kind of resonate or would be. Uh, welcome to hear from other people. Please share. That is what we uh, what we want from this. That is the community that we're trying to build. If you think that somebody else would benefit from listening to this, please do share it with them. Uh, until next time, uh, thank you. And do check back and listen to part two of the conversation with Richard, where we get into some of the beauty, the inspiring beauty of the book itself. Until next time, thank you and good night.